Hey there, before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. Today, if you want to put a title on those notes, put then, comma, after. Then, comma, after. When I was preparing this sermon and I got into um, Galatians chapter 2, I got stuck in those two words. Right, and if there's one thing I tell anyone about studying scripture is take your time. Don't rush through it because you're going to miss the significance of a comma, the significance of a period, the significance of a word. So when I opened up Galatians and I read this very, very first verse, I actually, God began speaking to me when I got to the number two. Like I got stuck on the number two. Because I, I heard both of uh, Pastor Rose's um, sermons, the, 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 the message of the gospel, no, the power of the gospel, right? And, and Jesus saves. Very, very good. And, 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 and it motivated me, it encouraged me, and that was chapter one. But now we're headed into chapter two. How many of you are ready for chapter two? Amen? Now, now I want to ask a new question. How many of you are ready for a new chapter? I'm ready for a new chapter. Right, because, because chapter 1's ones, chapter ones in our lives are, are those moments in our lives where we're still learning. Chapter 1's in our lives are those moments in our lives where we're allowed to still make mistakes. Chapter 1's in our lives are, are those moments in our lives where we're still we're going through painful situations. Chapter 1's in our lives are where we're betrayed. Chapter 1's in our lives are where we're forsaken. Chapter 1's in our lives are when we're ready to give up. Chapter 1's in our lives are when we're ready to quit. Chapter 1's in our lives are when we're ready to say, that's it, I, I can't do this anymore. But there comes a day in our life where God reminds us that he's the author of the book. And he didn't only author chapter 1, but he's still writing. And the day came, comes, and I believe that the day is today, where he turns the page. And he says, you know what? Chapter 1 was I, but let's start writing a new chapter. Let's start. How many of you are ready for a new chapter? If there's one thing I've learned about God, you got you to gotta keep it real. If you're going to come to church, like, just, just keep it real. Like, I, I'm a mess just like you. It's cool. Jesus loves us. We're learning. We're growing. And, and in my chapter 2, what I've been able to understand is that the number 2 is of great significance with the Lord. Whenever you see the number 2 in Scripture, it usually has to do with co coming into agreement. Right? Jesus said, if two on earth would agree about anything, it shall be established in heaven. He also said, if two on earth are, are praying in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So when, the, when we get to the number two, and again, I'll get to the actual sermon at one point, but I'm stuck on this number. Um, but when we get to the number two, what we quickly realize is that there's power in the number two. And, and, and this chapter, Pastor Roe was talking about basically the message of Paul, but today I want to talk about Paul a little bit. Because in this chapter, Paul begins to discuss why the gospel was so powerful for him. Paul begins to discuss why he defended grace the way that he defended grace. So when Paul gets to chapter 2, what we need to understand, and we're going to see by the end of this sermon, is that we, if we truly want to live powerful lives, powerful Christian lives, and thank God there's nobody here because I'm like spitting all over the place. 
what what you quickly realize is that if we want to see God move in our lives it's not about us doing more but it's about us believing in him more believing in what he did more but begin confessing it living it singing about it praising it why because that's when all of a sudden things begin to be be released in your life I, I ate Cuban food on Friday how many of you like some some good Cuban food it was so good. And, and I ate it. I didn't leave any of it. But when I got out of the restaurant, I was still Puerto Rican. A any Puerto Ricans in the house? Like, I was still Puerto Rican. Like, that didn't change just because of a meal, right? It's the same thing with God's life. Even when we have our moments of struggle, even when we have our moments where we battle in our chapter one, God is saying, don't worry about it. There's a chapter two. And if you could get into agreement with what I've promised you, what I've said is so, all of a sudden things begin to shift. So we see in Galatians chapter 2, the very first verse, in the very first part of that verse, he says, Then after 14 years. Then after. He says this two other times in chapter 1. Then after I went to Jerusalem. Then after I was in two other cities. And, and in these then afters, there's about 17 years where Paul was being processed. Where Paul was being transformed. Where, where this man named Saul that was persecuting Christians all of a sudden becomes this man named Paul who was defending the message that the Christians were dying for. And, and, and when I look at this then after, I begin to like, you know, I ask myself questions. I try to like put myself in Paul's shoes. I'm like, like, what were you doing? Like, what were you doing during those 17 years? Where were you? Who were you with? Who were you talking to? That all of a sudden when you come back on the scene, everybody knows that God's hand was on you. Everybody knows that although you were quiet, God was not quiet. That although you were silent, God was screaming louder than he had ever shouted before. That although you weren't moving, God was moving. And he was preparing a room for you. Right? And, and when I see this, I'm like, okay, you know, then... He could have just said after 14 years. But, but it doesn't say that. It says then after. It's almost like saying the same thing twice. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. Now, now again, I don't want to jump. I, I want to take our time. Uh, which one am I looking at? 38 or? Yeah, it got to be. The, okay. Oh, you're giving me more minutes? Oh, I thought you was giving me more minutes. <laughs> then after and I think Paul started his chapter 2 this way because he wants us to understand that you can't separate your now from your past now I know a lot of times in church we say no forget about the past how many of you really have forgotten about your past you don't forget about your past so when Paul says then after he's saying my past or my chapter one is just a, as much a part of my story as my chapter two i can't fully walk in my chapter two until i understand what god was doing in my chapter one i need to come to grips with what's going on we cannot run forever 
And, and I think, Pastor Roe, that was my greatest mistake, that I was running from things but still doing ministry. I was running from things but still preaching. I was running from things but still laying hands on people and praying for people. And I ended up wrestling with the very same things because I was running. But Paul, when he gets to, 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 to wow, Romans, Galatians chapter 2, verse 1, when he says, then, after, he was, he was basically saying, I've learned what I had to learn from my chapter 1. I've sat in my chapter 1. I've understood my bad decisions. I've understood why I was living the way I was living. I've understood my recklessness. Not here, you know, other churches have some recklessness. But, you know, I've understood my issues. I've understood my battles. And because I was, I've been there, I'm able to go to my chapter 2. Right? So, so when Paul says then after, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my own life. Like then after failing multiple times. Then after being divorced. Then after being on my own. Then after making all these mistakes. Then after burning all of these bridges. Then after God begins to say, I'm in your after. Because I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the same person I was in chapter 1 when I called you. See, because when God called us, he knew all the mistakes we were going to make in our chapter 1. Sometimes we, we, we convince ourselves that we shocked God. Like we messed up and God was in heaven like, oh, wow. Can you believe, bro? He, he won't call you Pastor Rome when you mess up. Can you believe this guy? Can you believe he did that? Can you believe he told Lisa, come get your son? So, so it's like. You know, God is in heaven and he's like, he knows all this stuff. He knows what's going on. He knows what we're battling. He knows what we're wrestling with. But he also knows what we're running from. He knows what we're running from. And I want to tell somebody today, unless you sit in it for a little bit, unless you wrestle with it for a little bit, you'll never be in to get, you'll never be able to get into Canaan. Just like Jacob. Jacob was at a crossroad in a place called Jabak, but he couldn't get to his promised land, everything that he had been promised as a child until he confronted his brother. Are you willing to confront? Are you willing to confront your chapter one demons so you could get to your chapter two breakthrough? See, see, for me, I'm like, man, then after, I failed, right? I failed, but then after. Uh, I messed up, but then after. I, I made some bad decisions. I hurt some people, but then after. I'm ready for my then after. I hope that you guys are ready for your then after. Because God is there. Just like he was there, he's also here, right? And then after points us into now. He's a God of the now. Is God present in your now? Or in your now, or are you still in your then? Mm. I think quietness is good sometimes. It says, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. And it says, I went up to, again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. So he has a guy named Barnabas and a guy named Titus. We don't know any of them. I mean, 
scholars, y'all y- y- know him. But, but Barnabas was the person that when Paul had no friends, Barnabas came alongside him and said, Paul, I believe in you. Barnabas was the person that, that when there was a group of six people meeting in a living room, and, and it, was, it was, no, Barnabas, let me, let me take it a different place. Let me go to part three or four of Kuha. Barnabas was the person that when, when Kuha was meeting in a living room and we had to take off our shoes, But Barnabas was still encouraging, right? Barnabas is the person that no matter how bad you do, they're there telling you, you can still do this. You can still win. Don't quit. Keep going. Keep pushing. Keep grinding. Keep keep battling. Do, Do not quit. Don't go backwards. Keep going forward. Even one foot is progress. One inch after a while equals a foot. One foot after a while. I'm not good at math. Y'all know what comes next. But but y'all get my drift, right? Like if you keep going forward, Sooner or later, you will get to your destination. So when Paul says, I had a Barnabas, but I also had a Titus, what he's saying is, and this is the thing about grace, Pastor O, when Jesus says, give by grace what you've received by grace, what, he's, what, what I feel Paul was saying was this exact same thing. He's saying, I have Barnabas who helped me get to where I am, but I have Titus who I am helping to get to where they need to be. In other words, it's a legacy thing. It's, it's, it's almost like a parent, a child, a grandfather, right? You know how we multiply ourselves it's the same exact thing and this is why we need community and this is why we need church because we're gonna need a Barnabas at times to tell us don't quit keep praying but God ain't doing nothing don't worry about it keep praying but God ain't moving don't worry about it keep praying but God ain't speaking don't worry keep praying because then after's coming then after's coming and when we read this, we had Barnabas, we had Titus, and he keeps saying, I'm going to try to get through these verses. Oh, my God, look at the time. It says, I went up because of a revelation. I went up because of a revelation. I want to talk to the, to the kids, like, like 18 through 20-something. Amen. They're raising their hand. That's me. Whatever. Whatever. I was there. I was there once. I was there once. I'm not going to look over there because my wife and sister-in-law like them old jokes. Um, But it says, I went up because of a revelation. What moves you? What, What moves you? What pushes you? Because if it's a feeling, how many of you know that feelings change? Feelings change. Feelings shift. But what Paul is saying, no, what's moving me is a revelation that I got. It's a God dream that I got. It's a God word that I got. And when you have a God word, that will keep you going when the feelings subside. When the feelings are no longer there, but you have a God word inside of you. Even when you don't feel it, you keep going forward. And this is the importance of having a relationship with Jesus. If you just came here by mistake, it wasn't a mistake. God brought you here. Because he wants you to know that your then after could be better than what you're living right now. If you allow him, he'll put a God dream inside of you that will move you to places you never thought you could go and when, again when I read this he says I went up because of a revelation I wasn't moving just because I felt like no 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 I was moving because God was moving me who's moving you because if it's a person moving you who moves you when that person is no longer there 
If it's a feeling moving us, who moves us when the feeling is no longer there? So when we talk about the Apostle Paul and why he wrote this book of Galatians and why we're even doing here what we're doing, what we're doing, it's because we believe that God has a purpose in Staten Island. We believe that God has a purpose in your family's life. We believe that God has a purpose with your children. I mean, coming up here, all you see is need, but all I saw was opportunity, right? Sometimes we see need, we see brokenness, we see people hurting, but I saw opportunity. I'm like, man, there goes one person Jesus could save. There goes another person Jesus could restore. There goes a family that Jesus could lift up. There goes some kids that God could use for his glory. But, but this is what was moving Paul. What was moving Paul was that he understood that the message of the gospel that Pastor Rowe talked about in, 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 in Galatians chapter one, I keep saying Romans. In Galatians chapter 1 was this, the, this God that had the power to do these things. This is why in the book of Romans he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's not about what you can do. There's so many times I don't want to go to church because I can't do that. That's not what we're inviting you to. We're inviting you to a Savior who wants to become your king so that you can then establish his kingdom here on earth and everything that you do. If you change what you believe, you change what you do. We want to change what we do so then we can change how we believe. It's a bad order. And that's what the Apostle Paul is arguing for in these verses that we're talking with. But Paul, just like some of us, have had to battle some false people. Some phony people. Some fake people. I know y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Some, some of y'all might know what I'm talking about. Right? Like, like they pat you on the back when everything's all good, but the minute you mess up, they don't even know you. Am I talking to anybody here today? Uh, nobody. I, I must stay over here just with you, me and you. So Paul was dealing with these people, and in verse 4 he says, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, and look at the words he used, they slipped in to spy out and bring us into slavery. They slipped in to spy us out and bring us into slavery. Because this is what religion will do for you. If you're no longer having fun serving the Lord, it's very possible that you've forgotten about serving the Lord and following Jesus, and you've stepped into something called religion right religion is what we do to try to impress a god who the bible says is the god of the universe who created all things by the word of his power and sustains them the same way how can i impress that kind of god how can i impress a god who knows all things before we've even thought it how can I impress that kind of God? I can't. What he doesn't want is for us to, he doesn't want us to continue trying to impress him. He just wants us to believe him. He wants us to embrace what he did. He wants us to be grateful for everything that he's done and say, you know what, Jesus, this gospel of grace that they're talking about in Christ's uncensored house of worship, that's the kind of thing that I need. That's the kind of thing that I need to help me move forward. I can't change myself. I can't transform myself. What can do it? I've tried AA. I've tried rehabilitation. I've tried jumping from church to church to church to church to church. Don't put your faith in a church. Put your faith in the gospel. Put your faith in Jesus and he'll help you get to where you want to get to. Right? So, so Paul is setting up this argument. 
And I love how Paul sets things up. Like, like he always brings one, he'll ask you a question, but he don't even want to answer. He already, he already has the answer. So when we read this and we see him all of a sudden in a few verses forward in verse 11, he's, he's, he's going face to face with Peter. Like, like, Peter's no joke. Number one, Peter, I always say Peter was the Puerto Rican of the group. Right? Like, he did things and then he thought about it afterwards. Like, like he was always ready to fight, right? He's always ready to throw down. Like, that, that's Peter. But when you look at what, what, how Paul refers to him when talking about Peter's actions, right? Because there was a time back in the day where Jews couldn't eat with what were called Gentiles. Any, any Jews in the house? So y'all all Gentiles. Me too. Gentiles is basically anyone who's not a Jew. And when, and when you read this, this, this thing that happens between verse 11 and verse 15, 14, it shows how Paul confronts this man. Because they were eating together. Now for us, we're just thinking, God, we can eat without a mask now. I'm, I hate the mask. I hate him. But, but, you know, but, but, but back then, a Jew wasn't allowed because of his religion to have a meal with a Gentile. Now, before the, the Jerusalem crew, right, because they had crews back then too, before they came down to Galatia, Peter was eating with them. Like, he was eating everything that they ate. He wasn't asking no questions. Like, he was chilling. But when his people came, the religious side came, he stopped doing what he was doing over here. And he stepped over here and he said, no, nah, I don't eat with them. I don't chill with them. I don't hang out with them cool how people. You know, they talk about grace and stuff. I don't, I don't believe in grace how they, you know, license the sin. No, the Lord rebuke the devil. But, you know, when, when, we, when you look at Paul's argument with Peter, if you look at verse 11... Through 14, three times he doesn't even refer to him as Peter. He calls him Cephas. Cephas. Because Paul understood that he wasn't talking to Peter at that moment. He wasn't talking to the Peter who had a revelation of the cross of Christ. He wasn't talking to Peter who had a revelation of God's grace. He wasn't talking to Peter who was loving and accepting and embracing of everyone that God loves, accepts, and embracing. At that moment, with those actions, he was talking about the person that Peter was before he had that encounter. So three times he's coming at him and he's like, Cephas, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite because you're not in line with what you say you believe. Because when we believe, can, can, can I... I got a few minutes, good. When we believe, the, the, the way that we live shifts. You weren't able to love before, now you're able to love. You weren't able to forgive before, now you're able to forgive. You weren't able to be embracing and accepting, now you're embracing and accepting. To the point that sometimes it gets you mad. Like any of you ever, like, you want to be mad, you want to punch somebody in the face, and Holy Spirit's like, no. Right, like, like, I feel like that's how Peter was. I mean, Paul was at a place where he, like, Cephas, like, I want to punch you in the face right now. Like, what are you doing? 
Why are you acting up? You know that what Jesus did for us. You know where he chose you from. And look, he calls him Cephas three times. And it reminds me of a time where Cephas, another time where Cephas denied Jesus three times. Why? Because when we don't live according to God's grace, when we're judging, when we're condemning, when we're casting people aside because of what they've done, you're not living according to God's grace. You're denying the Lord. When we live that way, we're denying him. So I think Peter, Paul was very intentional when he was like, I'm not even going to call you Peter. I'm going to remind you of what you did when Jesus was arrested and you denied him three times. I'm going to remind you of that so that you can remember from where you've fallen in the past so that you can get back in line with the truth of the gospel. With the truth of the gospel. See, because the gospel that we, that, 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 that Kuha preaches here, this is a gospel that says you are forgiven. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are forgiven of all of your sins yesterday, today, and forever. Your salvation, the Bible says, is eternal. <laughs> and uh, you know people like that, right? That, like they're saved, but they're so scared to lose their, lose their salvation, they don't even enjoy it. Here's Paul trying to enjoy his salvation, but he's upset because not only Jewish false believers, you know, religious teachers were messing up his church, but it was Peter too. Peter was supposed to be his boy. But there was a key argument that Paul was arguing for, and it begins in verse 15. When he says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, he's not talking about Staten Island law. He's not talking about like New Jersey law, United States law depending on which president is in the White House type law. He's talking about this law that was established with these people called the Israelites many, 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 many years ago, given to them through this man named Moses. And they were trying to say, we got to live this way and have Jesus in order to be saved. That wasn't the open one. You know, we, we got to have them both. And if you have, you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to talk a lot about this because Pastor Roe preached about it for two weeks. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And that's what Paul was fighting for. So when he begins to talk here and he's like, yo, it's, it's just Jesus. That's who you need. That's who you need to keep your eyes on, Jesus. It's not marrying Jesus on the altar and then sleeping with Moses in the back room. You can't have them both. If you're married to Jesus, you're married to Jesus. And if you stay with him long enough, you begin to produce fruits of righteousness, fruits of power, multiplication and dominion and kingdom. Them. Why? Because you're believing in him. You're keeping your eyes on him. And Paul says, a person is not justified by works of the law. That word justified, can I give you a simple way to remember it from now on? Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. 
And that's what Paul was trying to teach them. He was like, you've been justified in Christ because he already paid the price for your sins. I remember seeing a movie back in the day called Double Jeopardy or something like that. And there's this law called Double Jeopardy that if someone pays the price for a crime, you can't be charged for that crime again. So what Jesus did is he took our sins or our crimes and took them into the heavenly courtroom. And he said, this person did this and this and this and this he said but i'm gonna pay the price with my life and the father looked at him and said are you sure you want to pay the price with your life and then jesus said yes yes father i want to pay the price for their sins with my life and then he says on the cross it is finished what was finished was our court appearance what was finished was us having to pay the price in other words if you're if you're suffering right now for what you did 20 years ago it's only because you took it out of Jesus's hands because you've been justified you are right now a son and a daughter of God if you put your faith in him you are right now the righteousness of God in Christ you are right now the head and not the tail you are right now blessed and never cursed you are right now cleaner than you could ever be you are right now holier than you could ever be you are right now ex more accepted than you could ever be you are right now more loved than you could ever be but you, you're not living it because your faith is in you and not in him Paul was saying don't let them get your, your, your theology twisted don't let them get what you believe twisted no keep your eyes on Jesus keep them on him and when you want to shift a certain way because people will creep in front no what you mean you, you, you did that last night you're no longer saved if salvation was that fickle no one would be saved no, some of y'all sinning right now. Who's this bald guy with all these tattoos? He don't even know what he's talking about. I, I don't. Like, I don't. I feel that there's so many times that I say things that are off. But one thing that I know is that I know Jesus. And I know that at the age of 17, when I was living reckless, when I was going crazy, he touched me on my kitchen table while I was high. He ain't even wait for the high to wear off. See, because that's how much he loves us. That's how much he wants us. That's how much he wants to be a part of our life. That in the midst of your sin, when you're an enemy, when you're a foreigner, when you've given him your back, he'll fight through all of that. He'll fight through the obstacles. He'll jump through your pain. He'll jump loops to try to touch you. Why? Because he adores you. He adores you. Oh, if we could figure out how much he loves us today. If we could get into agreement that we are now justified. If we could understand that right now when it comes to God, I am just as if I'd never sinned. We would pray more and ask for more if we believed that we deserved more. And listen to me, Jesus believed you, God the Father believed that you deserved it all. And that's why in due season, he appeared on this earth. And in due season, he touched your life. Why? Because he wants you to understand that before him, because of what he did on the cross you are just as if you'd never sinned 
This is what kept Paul fighting. This is what kept him grinding. This is what had him in the city of Galatia preaching what they're going to be preaching here for the next eight weeks. Because he wanted people to understand, my Savior paid a very high price. My Lord and Savior Jesus, who appeared to me in Acts chapter 9 and told me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He loves you dearly. He wants to move in your life dearly. God wants to use you he wants to use you he wants to use me but it can only happen if we believe that he is every bit as faithful as he said that he is if we believe because if I believe listen if I believe that I'm justified before his presence ain't nothing gonna keep me away from his throne nothing I'm gonna ask for crazy stuff I was so crazy I asked for Anna to marry me that happened in prayer before I ever asked her. And, and, and I was giving her, like, my best lines and stuff, right? Like, that egg. You know, after a few years, you learn some stuff. But it had to be a God thing. It had to be a point in my life where I understood that I was justified. Because if I continued to believe all the things that people were saying about me, not only would I stay away from God, but I would have stood away from her. But when I understand that I was justified, just as if I'd never sinned, when I understood that all my sins were forsaken, then I understood that God throws my sins as far as the east is from the west, all of a sudden that gave me confidence and I talked to her more. And I spent more time with her. And ultimately, I asked her to marry me. And although she's a, like two or three years younger than me, she said yes. I said two or three. And this is what Paul is arguing for. Paul is arguing and fighting and writing all these letters. And we're preaching all of these sermons because we want you to understand how madly in love God is with you. We want you to understand that before God's court, you are completely and utterly declared not guilty. You are acquitted. And this is why you can give testimony of what God has done in your life. Because you first, ha you first witnessed everything that he's done for you. You become a witness. And when you become a witness, that qualifies you to, be a test of, uh, to give a testimony. But if you haven't seen anything, you don't have anything to share. But I believe that God is working in this house. I believe God is working and we got to get into, into agreement. The first thing we got to get into agreement with is that we are justified. Can I, can I, if anyone's been justified, can, can I see? Can you just raise up your right hand? Right, like they're doing a court, they put your left hand on the, is it the left hand or the right hand? See, I haven't been in court for a long time. Praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> they put your right hand on the Bible, you lift your left hand up, right? So, so th th this is how we are, guys. We are justified. When we come before him, he doesn't say, put your right hand on the Bible. No, 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 no. He says, what's in your heart? Who have you believed in? Because if you're still believing in you and in what you've done and that that separates you from God, you're making yourself greater than God. That's not what it is. Paul ends this by saying this, last verse, I love this verse. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And then he says, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer I that live. He says it's no longer I that live, but I still live. Any of you ever come to church and they're preaching stuff? Or maybe even today I preach some stuff and you're like, I have no clue what he's saying. It sounds good. Everybody else is screaming, so I'm going to scream with them. But I don't know what he's saying. Anybody? Not, not this sermon. Maybe Pastor Rose's sermon. <laughs> he, says, he says, it's no longer I that live. Why? Because my identity is wrapped in Christ. When we believe in Jesus, he takes our place fully. But then he says, but I live. And then it says, but the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's what our Bibles say. But what the original says is I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's a complete different. That's different. That's saying something completely different. Because to have faith in God still puts the strength of everything on me. But when I say, no, the life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. All of a sudden, I'm taking the focus off of me, and I'm putting it back on him. But then I need to learn, what is it that Jesus had faith in? Jesus knew. He said, if a, if a, if a, if a, if a kernel falls into the ground and dies, it bears much fruit. So Jesus knew if I give my life and three days I come back from the dead, there's going to be not only me, but a million, gazillion little me's all over the earth that are going to do what I did. They're going to pray for people. They're going to be healed. They're going to preach my word and people are going to be saved. Why? Because that's what I'm believing. Right? Jesus also said, if the son of man be lifted up, he will drag all men to himself. Jesus believed this. Jesus believed that if he was crucified, he would drag all of us to him. Drag us. He loves us so much. He he, he doesn't want to be patient and and just let us. No, no, I'm going to drag you to me. I'm going to drag you. He believed this. So what is Paul saying? If you want to live a victorious life, if you want to live a life of power, you want to get out of this nonsense of chapter 1, put your faith in him. Put your faith in him. Stop putting it on you. We're going to fail ourselves all the time. Can I get an amen? The minute we trust in ourselves, we realize how far we still got to go. But Jesus is like, no, no, no. Trust in me. Let my faith awaken within you today. Let my faith awaken within you. Some of you are getting baptized. That's your first step. Praise God. That's awesome. That's phenomenal. That is so exciting. But you, you got to believe in what you're doing. You got to believe that your old self is going in that water with all its nastiness, all its bitterness, all its resentment, all its anger, all its, all its um, you know, all these feelings that you might have. And when you come up, There's a new man coming up. There's a new woman coming up. There's a new young person coming up. You're coming up a transformed person. But then you got to keep your mind there. You got to set your mind there. You got to say, you know what, Lord? When I wake up and I'm feeling ugly, I'm still going to believe that I am the image and likeness of God. When I feel, Lord, that I'm defeated, I'm going to have faith in what you had faith in. I'm going to believe that I am blessed. I'm going to believe that you became 
became poor so that in your poverty I would be made rich. I'm going to believe, Lord, that by your stripes I am healed. Even when my body feels broken, even when I feel alone, even when I feel abandoned, I'm going to have faith in you because you said you will never leave me, you will never forsake me, and I am with you to the very end. And if you are still here, I don't care how bad your life has gotten, it is not the end. You still have an opportunity and all you have to do is rest your faith on him and today you can say ah it is no longer i that live but it's christ that's gonna live in me from today forward i'm leaving cool and i'm gonna believe that it's christ living in me i'm gonna believe that every step that i take from today forward i'm taking it in him i'm gonna take steps of destiny steps of purpose why because somebody named paul somebody named paul fought so that i could know this today he fought and died and had his head taken off oh so that we could believe are there any believers in the house today is there anyone that's ready to close chapter one and allow god to begin writing a new chapter in their life we're, we're gonna get into some worship oh i think go with my minutes praise you jesus thank you if there is anybody here that hasn't invited jesus to author his or her life i want to invite you man i want to invite you not because i'm better than you but because i'm probably just like you i want to invite you to invite him into your life if you've never accepted jesus or if you have and you know that it was wishy-washy you did it because mommy was looking at you and <laughs> you wanted her to be happy <laughs> maybe today's your day maybe today's your day Maybe today's the day that you say, Lord, I need you in my life. And if that's you, I want to invite you. I, I believe they have prayer counselors. Yeah, good, awesome. They have somebody that wants to pray with you and lead you to the throne without sin. Just if I never sinned. That's how we're going to present you to God the Father today. And if that's you, just make your way up here. If it's not you, I love you, church. Pray for me. Pray for my wife. Pray for our family. Pray for what God is doing. Pray for your church. Pray for your pastors. Pray for one another. I love you. Be blessed. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.